0: Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. we like our confession around here so we can get ready, get our heart ready for the Word. You ready? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome those who are watching live on, on Facebook and uh, streaming this in. If you would like to give, you can do that on our app or our website. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, welcome. So let's go ahead and get into it. Last week was don't forget your faith. Don't forget your faith. How many of you enjoyed that message last week? I enjoyed delivering it. It was awesome. Really enjoyed it. Today is Trust the Process. So they kind of go together. You probably heard a few things last week of this week's message uh, because I was trying to stay away from it, but it was very, very difficult to do that uh, because I had both messages kind of stirring inside of me. Uh, But today is Trust the Process. Uh, I added a little something this morning as I was praying and going over my notes. How about recognize the process? You know, sometimes it's not just trusting the process, but recognizing the process that you're going through. So if you have to, uh, if you're going through something right now and and you feel like it's negative and it's bad and you're in a dark place and maybe your finances are not where they need to be, maybe physically you're not uh, where you feel like you should be according to the promises of God that say that he is our healer. By the stripes of Jesus, you are already healed. He is our provider. Provider, right. He provides all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So we have all these promises. But see, those promises don't determine whether you live that life all the time. Because imagine we would be a bunch of little spoiled brats. Don't you think? If our God the Father just gave us everything we wanted, well, we wouldn't require faith anymore. We would have enough faith to just live this life of greatness but then I believe that God molds us and 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 some of our greatest growth spiritual growth and emotional growth is during times of trouble right and now it does say that he delivers us from all the tribulations and all the troubles right it does say that he does that but to enable to enable him to do that you have to be in the midst of a trouble or a tribulation, correct? I know this is not the, what you wanted to hear this morning, but it's, it's going to get better, I promise. Recognize, so trust the process or recognize the process. Sometimes we need to recognize the process in the life of others. Sometimes we run into people that are just ornery, and they're just mean, and they're just unhappy, and their eyebrows are stuck together all the time, and you know, they're just, and you run across these people, and you want to give them attitude. Why are you treating me this way? Why am I, Right but recognize that they're in a process too. If we recognize not just the process that we're going through in life, but the processes that other people are going through in life, we, we become a little more compassionate towards those. So let's, let's get into this. When I say opportunity is coming your way, that would be a great title for the message. Opportunity is coming your way. What does that look like? An open door, a promotion, a profitable investment. We being the creation cannot put the creator in this box. When we ask for a promise, and I said this last week, I said when we pray for something that is promised in the Bible, and if we pray by faith, that promise has to come to pass. The process in which that promise comes to pass is not up to us, it's up to him. See, he only guarantees the end. He guarantees the, like I like to say, grand finale. We say that, you know, to God we're, more, we're enough. Well, he's more than enough for us. So not only does he always accomplish what he said he would accomplish by fulfilling the promise, he always goes beyond that. So you have to say only God could do that. Right? Because if it's something that we could accomplish on our own, then how does God get, really get the glory? So the process is completely up to God. The word opportunity has the implication of something positive. But in God's ways, which are higher than our ways, it does not always look that way. Sometimes an opportunity looks like a closed door, getting laid off, adjusting your budget (laughs) because of a decline in finances, right? You know, we always say that when the economy gets better, everybody gets better. That's not always true because when the economy gets better, sometimes you don't get paid more, but the rent goes up, the electricity goes up. Right, You have to pay more for things because the economy is better, so things are a little more expensive sometimes. Sometimes it's the other way around, but it affects people in a different way. So what's that process that we're going through in life? What does that look like? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, the outcome is promised. So whatever the process is, it's good. Lord, what are you trying to do in me? That should be the question. See, we want God to do something for us when God's trying to do something in us. There's a difference, right? When God wants to do something in us, sometimes it's not always good. Sometimes the process, you know, he calls it the clay in the potter's hands. Think about what a potter does with clay. So trust the process. In Isaiah uh, 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, duh, he's God. Nor are ways nor nor are your ways my ways says the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts in other words you might be able to come up with something you know we always we want to come up with the process don't we we want to decide see if we could figure out the process then we would we wouldn't have to trust god we wouldn't need faith because then you could just come up with the process and do it yourself. But see, when we don't know what's happening and we don't understand, that's when trust comes in. That's when faith comes in. That's when you don't forget your faith. See, in 30 years of ministering, I've never never—I've only used this scripture that I'm about to use a couple of times. But there's so much here, and I, I so love this story. Many of you are not going to uh, uh, know who this is or or unless you read your Bible pretty, uh, uh, pretty much. But 2 Samuel 23, verses 20 and 21. 2 Samuel 23, verses 20 and 21 in the New International Version. Benaiah, who remembers who that is? Benaiah, son of Jeho- Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Gabzeel. That's why we don't read the scripture. Who performed great exploits. Listen to this. He struck down two Moab's two of Moab's best men not just one but two he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion that guy's crazy and he struck down a huge Egyptian although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand Benaiah went against him with his club (laughs) it almost seems unfair he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. He's a bad dude. I know Beniah is not one of those guys of the Bible that we talk about, or uh, many of you have never even heard of him until just right now. Have you ever heard? Have you ever had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Yes. Right? We've all had one of those, at least one. <laughs> I think that meeting a lion in a pit on a snowy day would qualify as one of those days. Not to mention the Moabites and the Egyptian. See, killing a lion in a pit on a snowy day is not not on anyone's wish list. You don't get up in the morning and say, Man, I hope to find me a big old lion in a pit while it snows, especially in Florida, right? While it's snowing outside. (laughs) Not only do I wish to find one, I wish to find one so I could jump in the pit and kill it. I hope that's the way my day goes today. <laughs> it's not something you plan out to do or get excited about. This would be a situation to avoid at all costs. See, Beniah knew that this was an opportunity. That it, it, I don't, it didn't look like an opportunity to me. It looked like an opportunity to keep going. I'm so glad that lion's stuck in that pit and not up here with me. I'm so glad he's down there, you know, and, and laugh at him and, you know, you know, make noises at him, bark at him, whatever you're going to do, and then keep going, right? Isn't that what you, maybe what you might want to do? And then he shows you his teeth and says, hey, you're stuck down there, buddy. You can't do anything to me. But he doesn't do that, does he? That lion's in a pit. This is my opportunity to go down there and kill that lion. Only God's people think that way. Second Samuel 23, verse, the second part of 23, it says, And David put him in charge of his bodyguards. Wouldn't you want this guy to be your bodyguard? <laughs> You're hired, dude. I killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day it would look really good on a bodyguard's resume. Right? I think it would. <laughs> wow. Spiritual maturity is seeing and seizing God-ordained opportunities. Say that again. again. Spiritual maturity is seeing and seizing God-ordained opportunities. We got to learn to discern. Learn to discern. Don't just run because you think, oh, this is bad for me. God, is this what you want for me today? Is this what... Lord, if this is what you want from me, then I'm jumping in the pit. Think of every opportunity as God's gift to you. And what you do with those opportunities is your gift to God. Think of every opportunity as God's gift to you. Opportunity, whether it's good or bad or ugly or whatever it is. And what you do with those opportunities is your gift to God. See, Benaiah climbed all the way up the chain of command and became commander and chief of Israel's army. But it all started with what many would consider being the wrong place at the wrong time. How did he end up there with this lion? See, in God's plans, he was at the right place at the right time. So how do we do this? How do I jump into a... a, pit with a lot. How do I know that that's what God wants from me? How do I understand? How do I trust this process that I'm in? Some of us have been in a process for years, struggling for years. The lady with the issue of blood. Years and years spent all her money. She was not only sick. She was broke because she spent all her money on doctors. All for that one moment when that process came to an end. And all she did was touch the hem of Jesus's garment. All that process came to that moment, that day. See, but if she would have stayed home and she would have said, oh, I spent all my money. Oh, I've been sick for all these years. I'm not gonna be healed from this. I guess God just wants me to die right here where I'm at. I'm just gonna lay down and take my last breath. She didn't do that, did she? She trusted the process and continued until she got what God had promised. How do you trust this process? There's seven steps. Number one, we must deny. We must defy the odds. Defy the odds. Pray for the ridiculous and then get ready because you might just get what you asked for. Yes. Amen. You know, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. I've said this a thousand times, right? One day we're going to get this, and, and our asking and our thinking is going to get see, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Well, then we need to get our ways and high, our thoughts higher. Let, let's get up there where we start asking for God for stuff that's just ridiculous. Because yes. he can't answer those prayers. Have you ever prayed for something and God would seem to be the complete opposite? When, when the Lord called us to ministry, to, we were already in ministry in Miami, uh, uh, children's ministry. But the Lord called us into full-time ministry and called us to go to Rama. So uh, we were like, okay, what are we going to do? I, I owned my own business at the time. Uh, the company that I was uh, contracted with was about to triple my business. So we were about to live the American dream, and God was about to bless us. <laughs> yeah, money, money, money. Right? I had a boat. I had a, a bass boat in the garage, and we drove nice cars and took nice vacations, and, and we, were, we were doing well. But we weren't in God's perfect plan. We were in a process, but we didn't recognize what the process was until he took us out of there and took us out of Miami and took us out of that. So I prayed. I said, Lord, we're going to move to Oklahoma, and we're going to go to school. I need a job. I remember praying that and taking that first trip that we went to Oklahoma for you to look for work up there. And we went, and, and I did the same thing. I spent a, a, you know, a few days there during the week looking for work. And, and I got back, and I'm like, Lord... I, I really need it i need a job so when i get there i can provide for my family but i don't just need a job i need a job at night because i'm going to be going to school during the day and and I, I just i need i need your provision i know that you can do this i thank the lord and i believed in faith that that's what was going to happen and the next day the the guy that i was in business with we were partners he owned 51 percent, i owned 49 percent of the business he shut the whole thing down i lost my job and i lost my investment every penny I was praying for a job, not to lose the one I had and lose. I was like, but you know what that did? It causes us to move like right away. Why am I gonna stay here? I got no job here, no job there. Might as well have no job there. That's where I need to be anyway. Right? See, my prayer was answered, but I didn't understand it at the time. And I didn't have anyone preaching me this message at the time either. And I was in this process and I didn't understand, I didn't see it. I didn't know what was going on. But I knew that I had heard from God. And we knew that we had heard from God. And we moved and got a job. And it it was a a job that paid more than anyone else was getting paid in that area. (laughs) They paid me what I asked for. They didn't ask any questions. They just It was favor. It was totally God. But we had to move. We moved without selling our house in Miami. So we had a rent to pay over there and a mortgage to pay over here. We had $89 in the bank. And 50 of that we gave to somebody in church because the Lord spoke to my wife. She told me, we need to give these people in front of us $50. The Lord just spoke to me. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, I wrote a check for 50 bucks and I handed it to this guy wearing an Armani suit that I felt like he should be giving me 50 bucks. Alright? <laughs> but we handed him and I had just enough money to put a full tank of gas before my first paycheck. Because we were obedient, and in the midst of that process, people began to bring clothing for cold. We were from Miami. We didn't have coats and sweaters and all that. So we had people bring in. I still have one of them. It's a cashmere trench coat. This thing is expensive. You wear it, you know, where am I going to wear it here? But I keep it, you know, (laughs) when I go up north or something, you wear it over a suit, and it's really, really nice. It keeps you, it's thin, but it keeps you really, really warm. And uh, someone brought. Clothing for our kids to wear and, you know, to go to school and to be warm. And, and somebody gave us a washer and dryer that was less than a year old. That We needed a washer and dryer. We were already collecting our coins to go to the laundromat. And uh, somebody gave us a washer and dryer. And little by little, we, we, you know, people just kept bringing us boxes of food. Nobody knew what we were going through. Nobody knew what we were going through. We were just a month or two before that, you know, we, we were, uh, had more than enough Money, but we didn't have more than enough God. Right. Then all of a sudden, we got no money, <laughs> and all of God shows up, man. I'm not saying you have to be poor for God to show up. I'm not saying that at all, but we were believing. We were defying the odds. I prayed for one thing, and something else happened, but in that process, God provided for us in such a way that we were, we were more prosperous in Oklahoma than we were in Miami. It got to a point where we bought a house up there. We went to Brazil. I mean, we we were doing really well. My wife opened a daycare, and it it profited right away. It was incredible what God was doing with us there. But it was a process. It was a process. In Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, if you get, I always say this in my messages, if you get nothing else today, get this. (laughs) Joshua 10, 12 through 13. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. We could prove this scientifically. There's a day missing in our timeline that nobody knows. I know what happened. It says it in the Bible what happened. There's a whole day that the sun stood still. Listen, if you could have audacious faith to believe for the sun to stand still why wouldn't he just say oh god just wipe them out i'm gonna go get a sandwich when i get back they should all be laying in the valley all dead and let me just give me the amorites and right he didn't there was a process involved and the process involved him and his army there was a fight to be fought even though the victory was already guaranteed he had to fight the fight And he said, look, we're winning now. And instead of letting the sun go down and starting over tomorrow, I'm just going to pray that the sun. This guy, this guy's got some internal fortitude to try and put it nicely, right? This guy had, this guy was, right? He looked up there and said, God, just let it stand still. Give me one. We'll, We'll finish the job down here, but I need your help. And the sun, see, Joshua could not make the sun stand still. The army could not defeat them without that sun standing still. Now, if they could have gone in and defeated them and had the victory, said, look what we did. But they couldn't do that because they needed the sun to stand still. So they prayed to God and they defied the odds. See, Joshua understood his part in the process. He could have asked God to just destroy them. But instead, he asked the sun to stand still. We need to be audacious in our prayers. Come on. We need to to be those that pray. Don't forget your faith. Can we go back to that? Can we go back to last week just a little bit? Because it's just stirring inside me so much. (laughs) We have allowed our faith to diminish to something so small and minuscule. We We need to wake up. We need to go back to believing who we are in Christ. Listen, I am the son of the almighty God. That's a Me Too moment for you right there. We are sons and daughters of the Almighty God. He parted the Red Sea. He caused water to come out of a rock. He caused manna to come out of a sky. He turned the bitter water to sweet. Come on, he caused the sun to stand still. He sent his son down. He he healed the sick. He he, uh, uh, caused the blind to see. (laughs) He caused the lame to walk. He delivered the oppressed. This is my father. This is my daddy. We are sons. We should be audacious, and we should take our faith to a level that it's never been before. Why is the church missing these these times? Remember the the old-time tent revival meetings? What happened back then? They believed for the impossible. Impossible. Because they had a God that can do the impossible. That God still exists. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. Then what's wrong? Why aren't we having these little miracles? And why, why, why? Because we live in an age where you just press a button and something happens. Right. We're not willing to go through the process and believe in faith and stand on what the word says until it happens. Yes. Yes. Because God can. Yeah. And, he and he does. But what do we do? We've, our experiences in life, the things that we've gone through, the times that we've prayed and it didn't happen, the times that we believed for this and that happened. We believe for this and that happened. We believe for this and that happened. After a while, your faith gets torn down and your experiences take over and say, yeah, I'll pray again, but, no, but God, right? He can do this. I know he can, why? Because he's done it before and he will do it again. See, God's not finished with us, yet we're finished with him. We're finished without him, Don, that's right. <laughs> Come on, let's start to believe for those things again. Let's have, don't forget your faith. Don't forget what he wrote and what he said. What he said is truth. By the stripes of Jesus, you are already healed. Listen, if you believe this right now, you walk out of here healed today. God can touch your mind. Aside from me, aside from our elders, aside from anybody laying hands on you, all it requires is your faith. That's it. That's all it requires. Don't forget your faith. Let's defy the odds in what we believe. Let's defy the odds in our prayer. Let's have this audacious kind of faith where we can believe for the sun to stand still. We believe for something that would be neat if that happened. I wish that would happen. I hope that would happen. I'll pray again. We'll see what happens. I prayed and it didn't work. You just, you just had a phrase of, uh, of faith and a phrase of doubt all in the same sentence. You just boom. I prayed and it has to happen. I don't care if things get worse. It's going to happen. I don't care if it hurts more tomorrow. It's got to happen. Why? Because he said so, and he's my daddy, and it doesn't matter. See, and then we go into this whole unworthiness. Oh, Lord, why would God heal me? If he only knew. (laughs) Sounds pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? Oh, the things that I've done, he's not gonna. No, listen, do you disqualify your child from being your child because of the things your child does? Never. 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 They're still your child. (laughs) Your children are going, yeah, right. (laughs) Number two, face your fears. You can fill this out in your your paper there. Face your fears. The greatest breakthroughs in your life will happen when you push through your fears. Do not let the mental lions keep you from God's best. See, according to psychiatric reference books, Everyone is born with two innate fears, two fears that, that you're born with, according to psychiatric reference books. One is the fear of falling, and the other one is the fear of noises. And they're there on purpose, I believe. Because if, if you weren't afraid of falling, you'd just walk off the side of a cliff. But if you walk up to the cliff, you're, you know, I'm afraid of heights, so I wouldn't even walk up to the cliff. But, you know, you'd sit there and you'd look down, and even if you're not afraid, you wouldn't step off the cliff. I would hope not. And noises, when you hear noise, what happens? You look, right? (laughs) Especially if you're by yourself. You at least look. So all other fears are learned fears. It's good news, people. Learned fears need to be unlearned, which will release your faith to believe for the impossible. See, Jesus dealt with having to get the people of Israel to unlearn their old ways in order to learn the new covenant ways. He, had to, he wasn't just teaching them the new and better covenant. He had to get them to unlearn their old. There was a paradigm shift happening in their minds because they wanted to continue to do works. See, they wanted to. He says, no, 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 you're saved by faith, by grace through faith. You're saved. And they're like, OK, I get that. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. But we're going to we need to get circumcised and, and we still need to do this and we still need to do that. And, and he's like, no, 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 no. I have a whole teaching on that. The book of Galatians, it's, it's on our on our app. You can you can I think there's six or seven teachings in there about the book of Galatians and how they took two gospels and one of them is not the gospel at all. Because they went and they took the good news and they started adding all these works to it. And the Jews could not understand because they could not get rid of that old mentality. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> See, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeats two phrases. He says, you have heard that I, that I have said, but I tell you this. You have heard this before, but now I tell you this. I know you have heard this, but now I'm going to tell you this. See, Jesus was uninstalling the Old Testament concepts and upgrading them to New Testament truths. They had to get rid of those Old Testament processes and those Old Testament thinking and, and make them into New Testament truths. See, half of spiritual growth is learning what you don't know. The other half is unlearning what you do know. Half of spiritual growth is learning what you don't know. The other half is unlearning what you do know. Sometimes we know too much. And I'm not picking on anybody because I know we have a lot of nurses and, and people in the medical field here. But sometimes knowing so much about what's going on yeah. medically, it hinders your faith. It does. 100%. It hinders your faith. Because I know that this says this and the doctors say this and this has happened before. And this is the... oh. Uh, uh, Medical M.D. or whatever. Web M.D. Here's my M.D. We should open this before we open any of those websites. Open this. See what this says. Right? Web M.D. By the time you get done, you've got cancer and you're dead. You're reading the thing on the screen, but you're already dead. You're dead man walking. You're dead you're done. Every time. Right? My pinky hurts. They're going to, they're going to cut off your hand. Go to the doctor right now. Go to the emergency room is my recommendation. WebMD. Let's play it safe. Everybody goes to the emergency room. Right? And then we gather this information. And now, nowadays, it's, I think this is part of the problem why we don't defy the odds and we don't have faith to believe for these miracles is because there's so much information out there. Yeah. Facts. Facts and not enough truth. Yeah, yeah. We need more truth, yes. right? What did God say? What does his word say? That's what we need. <clears throat> it is the failure to unlearn irrational fears and misconceptions that keeps us from becoming who God wants us to be. See, the man at the pool of Bethesda had learned something. He had something in his mind, something that he had already known, that he knew what was going to happen. When that water gets stirred, all I got to do is get into the water before anybody else, and I'll be healed. Now, he's on a mat. He's totally paralyzed. So he's looking for help. (laughs) Because he himself cannot get into the pool of Bethesda. Everyone else is waiting. waiting. You know, all the, leper, the people with leprosy and the people that are sick with this, they're all waiting for the stirring of the water so they can get in there and get healed. So in his mind, that was his answer. That was his way out of being paralyzed was, the, was getting into that water. And Jesus shows up and helps him unlearn what he had learned. See, you're waiting for the angel to stir that water, but your answer's right here. I'm standing right here. And how did Jesus... Now, there was a bunch of people at that pool. Of, there was sick people on this patio with a pool. There was all these people there. And Jesus walks up to who? The one that can't move. Why? Because he could gather his attention. Everyone else was, leave me alone. I'm looking for the... Oh, don't, don't distract me. I got to get into the water because that's what I learned. That's what I know. And the guy laid there and looked up at him and goes, hey, can you help me out? He goes, yeah, pick up your bed and walk. <laughs> Listen... I imagine that he probably, the guy probably looked at the water again. <laughs> when you yeah. pick up your bed and walk, did he start? Did the water move? He had to unlearn that. He was already offering him healing and he kept looking at the water. Uh, and looking at the, that's what we do. We look at this and I'm not against science. And we took our kids. My daughter, you know, uh, went through a real scary time for several years in our life. We took her to every doctor, every specialist. We believe in science, but it does not take the place of our faith. Right. right. right? Can I say this? Your children are not your faith experiment experiment. You, you do everything that you have to, yes. to take care of your child. Yes. Okay. And, you, and you, stand yes. you stand on the word. 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 We need to unlearn some things so that we could face our fears. Our fears are learned fears. That means that we could remove them. They could be unlearned. Number three, reframe your problems with opportunity. Reframe your problems with opportunity. If you look at a problem and you call it a problem and it looks like a problem, it tastes like a problem, smells like a problem, then it must be a problem. But see, in, in God's realm, problems are sometimes opportunities. You have to reframe them. See, I'm sure when Benaiah was faced with taking down the lion, he began to reframe his problem with the fact that he had taken down two of Moab's best men. See, David was good at doing this too, King David. When he, got, when he went before Goliath, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'm the little boy that takes care of my sheep. And one time a bear came, and I grabbed him by the hair, and I tackled him down, and I killed him. And then a lion came. and He, he must have been friends with Benaiah. A lion came. Right? And he, he went and he, he grabbed the lion and I killed the lion too. What was he doing? I remember the things that I've done. Come on. God has given, I got notches in my belt right? And he began to remind himself. That's what we need to do. We need to remind ourselves of the things that God has done, maybe not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. And in, in, in you know, in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we need to continue to reframe our problems with opportunities. David did that. He reframed his problem with opportunity. Notice uh, uh, the similarities between David and Benaiah, when Benaiah uh, takes on this Egyptian with a spear. See, David took down Goliath and grabbed his goliath's sword and cut goliath's head off with goliath's sword it says benaiah killed this egyptian with his own spear after he clubbed him he had to get close enough to club him the guy had a spear they say he was seven and a half feet tall right should have been in the nba goliath was 10 10 feet tall I can't preach this if I'm going to. David saw every one of these uh, 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 opponents as an opportunity. See, you got to know your Bible because Goliath wasn't just Goliath. Goliath had four brothers. You know how you know Goliath's brothers? They were big and they had six toes and six fingers. Read your Bible, people. This is all in there. Right? Right? I don't know. When they make these movies about the Bible, the Bible story movies, they add and change things to make it more dramatic. There, there's, no need. there's no need to do that. Just do it as it says. It's dramatic enough. Right? I mean, come on. These people had six toes and six fingers. They were all ten feet tall. How many stones did, did David take down into that valley that day to kill Goliath? Five. Five. He used one for Goliath and he had four for the brothers. Yes. See, <laughs> We don't have to just believe for the miracle of the, of the victory right now. Right. We should fill our pockets with rocks and say, I'm not just going to win this one. I'm winning everyone that's coming behind him. Wow. Right? He, wasn't, he didn't have just enough faith to beat Goliath. He had enough faith to be, beat Goliath and his four brothers. Because yes. he had five rocks and he only used one for Goliath. He only needed one. There's a message right there. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. This is what I, the, what I was telling you earlier. I'm going to read it to you. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it, from its mouth. When it turned on me, <laughs> I ran like a little girl screaming and yelling. <laughs> I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The situation I'm going through right now will be just like the one I had victory with before. The sickness and the illness that I'm going through right now It's going to be just like the one that I was healed before. He was reminding himself. He says, this is going to be just like, because it's the same God. It's the same God. Number four. Embrace uncertainty. We don't like this one. You can't never always sometimes tell. You can't never always sometimes tell. This phrase essentially means anything could happen. See, life is infinitely uncertain and God is infinitely complex. Although Benaiah most likely planned out his days, I'm sure he did not wake up that day and say, look, let's look for a a, a lion to kill in a pit on this snowy day. He did not have a 25-year occupational strategy in place. Kill a lion in a pit in a snowy day, step one. Step two, apply for a job as a bodyguard for the king of Israel. And Step three, work my way up the ranks until I become commander of Israel's army. I got it all figured out. See, faith is embracing uncertainty. Jesus' sayings are full of uncertainty. The only thing that you can be certain of is the outcome is good. See, certainty does not require faith. Because then you're certain of what's supposed to happen. Matthew eight twenty says, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Does That sound like he was pretty certain. He was only certain that he didn't have a place to lay his head. Even Jesus was uncertain about the details, but he was certain about the outcome. Victory is guaranteed. The how is fully, is full of uncertainty. Matthew 4 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. You think they knew what he was talking about? They knew how to be fishers of fish, fish, but they didn't know how to be fishers of men. What does that mean? They left their occupation. The one thing thing that they knew how to do, that they were good at, that they were making money at, that they were making they left everything that they were certain about and left for something that was completely uncertain because Jesus told them to. They trusted the man on the beach. Do you think the disciples knew what Jesus meant by, take, by making them fishers of men? He had no idea. Here's another one Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not be one of mine. Now, we know what that means, right? Because yes. we have the book and we read on. That wasn't written then. Right. They had no idea what he was talking about. As far as they were concerned, he was talking about cam- cannibalism. He had over 300 followers at that time. He said a couple of things. It went down to 72. He said that, and it went down to 12. 12 men that were willing to follow something that was really uncertain. Does he really mean that we're going to have to eat him and drink his blood? What is he talking about? He lost a lot of people that day except for those 12 men, and thank God for those 12 men. Can you imagine at the Last Supper? This is my body that was broken for you. Woo! Man, I can eat some bread. This is my blood. Oh, give me two, three glasses of that wine. I need to get over this whole thing, man, all these days thinking about, well, when is he going to drop dead? And when he drops dead, do we cook him? What do we do? Right? What do we And And when he holds up that bread and holds up that wine, there was, there was celebration at that table. But they did it anyway. They embraced uncertainty. See, lion chasers know that God is connecting the dots in ways they can't even comprehend. God has got it all figured out, and He's good, and He loves you. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but it doesn't matter. We walk by faith and not by sight. Number five take a risk. Take a risk. Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did do. So throw off your bowline, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream and discover. We live our lives. Sometimes we get to the end and we like, man, I should have done, I could have done, I would have done. I should have stepped out there in faith. I should have believed for this. I should have believed for that. Well, let's not get there. Let's not get there. See, lion chasers are risk takers. Benaiah took on two Moabites despite being unnumbered. He chased the lion despite the snowy conditions and fought an Egyptian despite the fact that he was outarmed. What if Benaiah decided there was too many Moabites to make it a fair fight? What if Benaiah decided it was too dangerous to chase down a 500-pound lion? What if he decided that a seven and a half foot Egyptian was way too big? I'm not taking that risk. I'm not willing to take that risk. We do that all the time. We want to be safe in everything that we do. And some things we do need to be safe with. And some things we need to be wise with. But sometimes we just need to believe God and step out there. The people who who have done great things and great exploits for the kingdom of God were those who took risks. Number six. Seize the opportunity. Oh, let let me say this. safe to say that Benaiah would have never become commander of the David's bodyguard let alone commander-in-chief of Israel's army, unless he took some risks, correct? Number six, seize the opportunity. A dream becomes a reality one opportunity at a time. See, Benaiah seized the opportunity to kill the lion when he saw it was in a pit. We would have just walked around. We said this earlier. We would have just walked on by and said, see ya, goodbye. See, we need to seize the opportunities that God sets before us without excuses, Sometimes our excuses not to do what God asks us to do are honorable. And we call them honorable excuses, but they're excuses nonetheless. Luke 9, 57 through 62 says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Come on, we've made these confessions. God, yes, I belong to you. God, yes, I believe your word. Yes, God, I believe it. Oh, yes, I will follow you. I will go. Oh, (laughs) Peter did that. I will never deny you. 58. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds, have, uh, 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 birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. Now after he said this, now they, 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 before they were, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now he's telling them, you may have to sleep out and put your head on a rock and you know, sleep under the stars. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Honorable excuse. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the, kingdom, to the pre- preach the kingdom of God. His father wasn't dead. He said, let me go back and wait for my father to die, to bury him. Because he says, let the dead bury the dead. What did he mean? The dead people can't bury dead people. Those people that are not following me are dead. Let them bury their own dead. You follow me. He says, no, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to bury my dad. But his dad wasn't dead yet. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty serious words right there. Seize the opportunity. You know, what happens when the opportunity shows up? Sometimes it requires something of us, doesn't it? It requires a sacrifice from us. And if you wait too long, you will talk yourself right out of it. No one can talk you out of something better than yourself. You will, you will seize the opportunity. Take advantage of it right away. Number seven, last one, let, your, let yourself look foolish. If we live our lives concerned about what others think, we will miss many opportunities. Faith requires a willingness, willingness to look foolish. The world doesn't understand why we believe the things we believe. Healing? No, we've seen, we've seen many die in the face of faith. spiritual maturity is less and less about what people think of you and more and more about what god thinks of you yes. those who are willing to look foolish will find that the blessing is greater than the embarrassment you got to be willing you got to be willing to be embarrassed to receive the greatness of god it's the blessing is much greater i could care less what people think 1 corinthians chapter 1 and i'm going to read verse 18 21 and 23 I'm gonna skip through those. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, the message of the cross. Everything's in that message, everything's in the cross. Can't go there. For since in wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block into the Greeks foolishness. It looks foolish. If we were to just, I remember back in the, in the 80s, late 80s for me. But I talked to people from the Jesus movement and in the 70s and, you know, Woodstock and all this stuff going on. And people just getting saved and love and peace and, you know. And flowers and pot and everything else. They were, you know, it was a time where people were getting radically saved. They were not uncertain about what God was doing. They were just, they were just like, hey, I'm just going to believe that God can save me right here where I'm at. I've heard stories of people, long-haired hippies with beards down to here, smelly on motorcycles, walking into churches and being asked to leave. That's terrible we had a funeral here last year sometime beginning of last year and um and people came from all over from out of the country for the funeral and I did the funeral here and and people came in from outside and and you you knew what they had, what they were doing the night before because you could smell it you knew what they were doing in the parking lot because you could smell it and I was grinning from ear to ear That's what the church should smell like. (laughs) I was so excited to have all those people sitting here. Because I talked about the dead. Then I told them about life. And I was able to preach the gospel to a bunch of people that thought it was foolishness. For many years probably thought it was foolishness. And not once did I condemn them for the way they smelled, what they did in the parking lot, what they did the night before. I just told them God loves you just like you are. I pray that those people left here that day and went back to per, their prospective homes in their countries or wherever they came from and they went back thinking, God really does love me just like this? Yes, he does. See, that's the gospel. That's, what, that's the foolishness of people see these things and they're like, no, it can't be, it can't be. Yes, it is, it is. See, it's time to trust the process. What process are you in? It's time to rewrite your resume. Is your resume boring? I'm talking about your spiritual resume. Is your spiritual resume boring? Can can you write a resume out and have on there at least one or two things that say God showed up and the world stood still? God showed up and the tumor disappeared. God showed up and I was completely healed. The pain was gone. God showed up and I was overwhelmed with peace and I've never had anxiety again. God showed up. Come on, we need to write that resume. God showed up for me. In the midst of the process, what happens is right in the middle of the process, we lose our faith. Don't forget your faith. That's why these two messages go together, but I could imagine trying to preach this in, in 45 minutes to an hour. There's no way. Take these two messages, listen to them back to back. Don't forget your faith and trust the process. We forget our faith in the midst of that process. For some of us, that process is is ending today. (laughs) For some of us, the process that we've been in for all this time, believing for certain things, is ending right now. Because you're believing what I'm saying because it's the Word of God. Can you believe that your process is going to end right now? Come on, stand to your feet. Can you believe? Can I get the band up here? Can you believe that that process is coming to an end right now? (laughs) Yes. I believe it is. I believe it already has. You know, what's awesome is that the prophets always proclaimed what was to come. By the stripes of Jesus, you will be healed. Right? But then it happened. And Jesus got those stripes. And now we're on the other side of that. And they quote the same scripture that the prophets quoted in Isaiah. And they quoted it differently. They said, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed already healed not going to be already well how come quit asking the questions and believe what it says believe what i don't care if it hurts if the pain is still there come on if you want to receive this morning this is the end of your process for what not that you're not going to start a new one tomorrow A different one. But today, God answers your your prayer. Today, that comes to an end. Today, you receive what you've been waiting a long time to receive today. Can Can you believe for that? Lord, I believe right now. I I agree with my brothers and sisters right now. Wherever two or more agree on the earth, that shall come to pass. I agree that their process has come to an end today because the prayer is being fulfilled. The answer is being, the question is being answered, Lord. And the healing is coming to pass in their life, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead and put your hand in any area of your body that you need healing right now, whether it be your mind. Whether it be uh, your heart. Yes, Lord. Come on, begin to believe. Lord, I believe. We believe. We trust the process, but we don't lose our faith in the midst of it, Lord. And we believe by faith that your word is true. I believe in your word. Therefore, I receive. Let's say that together. I believe in your word. Therefore, I receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to do one of our songs, any one of the fast songs. I want you to do something you couldn't do before. I want you to believe that you're able to do something you couldn't do this morning when you came in here. Whether it's walk, jump, leap, whatever it is. Bend over, whatever it is that you couldn't do before. Believe that you receive and do what you couldn't do before. If it's your bank book, if it's your bank book that looks like it's it's empty let's believe the book huh let's believe the book there's prosperity coming your way not just for your good but for the good of many right because it says that God will prosper you so that you will have enough to give unto others for every good work amen lord you can trust us with with your finances you can trust us with your prosperity because we'll make sure it goes to where it needs to go come on we're givers here we're givers we thank you lord for your healing coming upon our bodies this morning we thank you that this process has come to an end today your healing is coming upon us because you are the almighty god creator of heaven and earth and i am your child he is my daddy. He is my daddy. He is my daddy. And he, listen, as a parent, you don't keep these things from your children. If your child is hungry, you give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. God can do more than that. If you are hurting, he could bring healing into your body. All it requires is your faith. Are you ready to believe this morning? Come on, are you ready to believe this morning? The process has come to an end today. We trusted the process, but it comes to an end today. Today it comes to an end. Today it comes to an end. Today it comes to an end. Evie, no more back problems. It comes to an end. It comes to an end today. Healing is coming to your house, Mark into your body. Healing is coming to every part, everything that's happening, everything that you did to yourself in the past, that's null and void. You are a new creation in Christ. Do you understand me? Believe for that. Today is the end of this process. Today is the end of this process. Today is the end of this process. Carol, we're going to cha-cha. Come on, right? We're going to move and have our being in Him. Amen? Prosperity is coming to your house. You've been obedient. Tyler and Steph, you've been obedient. You've been, the process is coming to an end. It's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. You and your household shall be saved. Ed. This process of years and years and years is coming to an end today. Today it's over. It's coming to an end. Sometimes we think the stuff we've done in our past and the things that we that we've, Suffered and the thing, and then we pass it on to our children, and we think that it's my fault that they didn't know. My children are grown up, they make decisions. That's on them. That's that's not on me, that's on them. But God said that you and your house shall be saved. The process that you're going through with your children, Nick, it's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. Victory is here today. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church. You will never be the same.